Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Peacock fuels your true crime obsession with exclusive new originals. John Wayne Gacy. Devil in disguise. Clowns can get away with murder. And Epstein Shadow, Ghislaine Maxwell. She inherited Jeffrey Epstein's secrets. Plus the most bingeable crime series, Snapped. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Hello, my name is Dave Hanratty, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 204 of the No Encore Music Podcast. I'm recording this from my office slash study, whatever name you want to put on it, as I work away on St. Patrick's Day. Um, It's very busy in the world, as you might imagine. It's a strange time, of course. I think we're all in the grip now of the coronavirus, a word that I think we all hope to see less of over time. But right now, of course, it's a huge thing. This is, of course, a music podcast where we keep things light and breezy as best we can. And we will continue to try and do that in the weeks ahead and, you know, see how this thing pans out. Uh, As regards the show frequency, we're hoping to keep it going. Uh, Craig and I may end up uh, Skype recording, possibly, but we'll do our best to make sure the audio sounds pretty strong. In that regard, uh, I guess I did something of a test record with, of course best friend of the show, Dahi Droni, and that's why you're getting an extra episode right now. This episode is all about Dahi's recent trip to Vietnam. He was heading over there for a couple of gigs, uh, right around the time that the situation began to become legitimately chaotic across the world. And so I figured with Dahi freshly back in the country, on his 30th birthday, no less, I should give him a call. I should check in with him and we should have a chat. And we end up having a chat for about half an hour. So I figured it would be worthy of it being its own episode. I mean, I think it's been really interesting to see how musicians, Irish and beyond, are reacting to the new kind of way for now. I mean, there's obviously a bigger conversation to be had about what this means for the arts and what it, mean, what, what, what it means for musicians uh, in general, who, of course, many of whom are basically freelancers and are now in potentially financial dire straits. Um, The hope is that people will pull through, and we're very much seeing people do stuff like impromptu kind of gigs, like The Scratch and The Merry Wallopers and others, 
Uh, I think a lot of musicians are going to make a lot of great music during this time. And that is fascinating, even though obviously we're in this kind of terrifying moment. But, you know, I think everyone's just trying to keep their head up and it's difficult, especially day by day when you see numbers increasing and a general sense of kind of fear and paranoia. Um, You know, I myself have been trying my best to stay upbeat and trying to stay positive. Music has been a huge outlet for that. At the moment, over on Twitter, I'm making kind of daily playlists when I get the chance to do so. Well, I mean, I guess I've got the chance to do so, seeing as I'm not really going anywhere for the time being. Um, But I think it's really important to connect now uh, more than ever with the things that give us joy. And hopefully this podcast is one of those things for people. Uh, I, I, I feel like we kind of almost have like a civic duty to keep it going because I know that I'm checking my own podcast feeds for new episodes of the shows I listen to every couple of days. Anyway, look, that's a lot of ramble and, you know, oh, also I should probably say that like a few minutes ago there were children singing in the street because it is St. Patrick's Day and they were singing Ireland's Call, uh, which was an absolutely chilling reminder of one of the worst songs ever written right there. Um, So listen, um, Dahi is a a fascinating storyteller on this episode. Um, I think his experience is genuinely one of a kind. Um, he's safe and sound, he's back in the country, everything is good, but it's quite the adventure. And with that in mind, let's listen to what he's got to say. Okay, so you can hear me fine, yes? I can hear you fine, yeah, I can, I can. Okay, cool, okay, well look, I guess, okay, so I guess the first thing that we should say is that we are recording this on Monday the 16th of March, the episode's going to come out on Friday, so by that point, a lot of stuff is definitely 100% going to have changed in the world, we don't know what the complexion is going to be like, so anything that is said now that may be off, you know, just please give us that leeway and hopefully yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's not, hopefully like the world is still here on Friday, essentially. <laughs> So listen, um, we, yeah, you went off to Vietnam right after the Choice Prize, and you've had quite the adventure. You're home, you're safe and sound. I'm talking to you in your studio right now, in your gaff. Just try and give me a bit of a brief summary in terms of the start of all of this for you. Yeah, so uh, it was really strange. About like about a month ago, about a month and a half ago, um, my manager, Googie, was like, uh, oh, by the way, I think uh, I might have like a, an international gig for you for St. Patrick's Day. And I was like, okay, cool, international gig. It'll probably be like London or it'll be like... Uh, you know, just somewhere somewhere that'll be fairly normal, like somewhere like France or, or London or something. And he was like, oh, yeah, so uh, we want you to fly over to Ho Chi Minh in uh, in Vietnam. And I was like, oh, my God, that's that's absolutely crazy. It's insane. Um, so there was a build up to it. It was basically being run by a group of different um, expats who lived in Vietnam. There's a there's a fairly large um, expat community in Vietnam at the moment. Uh, a lot of uh, people are over there teaching English. Um, there's a whole kind of expat village as well. And then there's also... Um, a very big uh, girls football team called the Saigon Gales and they were one of the main people who brought me over and then there was another guy who run some really cool board game cafes out there and some um, Irish uh, business people kind of sponsored the trip as well so that was the big aim and and the idea would be that um, 
they were going to play the rugby match and watch the rugby match and uh, and then I would also play um, as well uh, and they would kind of make it as a kind of like a St. Patrick's Day festival. Um, so at the time it was like the virus was only in um, Wuhan at the time I think when we booked it and over the course of the time it was kind of slowly moving on and we were keeping a kind of a very good track of um, the virus and how much it was spreading and stuff like that and by the time it got to the kind of the gig and we had the flights organized and everything the plan was that I was going to go over a couple of days early and I was going to play some more shows in some of the bars in Vietnam and then Sinead my vocalist Sinead White and Alex Ridley uh, my drummer he was going to go over as well they would basically fly over for this big show at the end right and that was that was the plan up until uh, about say a week before i was about to go so that's the start okay <laughs> yeah so that all sounds fairly standard enough yeah it yeah. sounds like he got all the typical dahi itinerary sorted everyone's looked after and then of course this becomes a pandemic and <laughs> everything starts to look a little bit shaky dominoes started to fall from your end essentially is that what happened yeah, so we were keeping a very close eye on it up to that point. It had started to spread a bit more. I think it had just reached Italy or something like that. Um, I can't remember the exact thing because the main takeaway for me was that I was like, what's quite interesting here is Vietnam actually has it really, really under control. They were one of the countries um, uh, in uh, Asia who had it really, really under control. I think they only had like 16 cases and they had them all quarantined and everything was done. So I was like, it actually is almost safer for me to go over <laughs> to Vietnam uh, than it would be to be in Ireland because they had it under such good control, right? So I made the decision that we were still going to go and that was that was absolutely fine. At the time, it wasn't such a serious thing, you know what I mean? The move, movement and everything. So then, so then on the day then, um, it had started to ramp up a little bit more and what had happened in Vietnam um, the day before I was about to leave was that they had about 16 cases and then a woman went to, I think it was Paris Fashion Week or Milan Fashion Week and she had um, brought back the virus with her and at the same time uh, had infected a whole pile of people on the flight as well. So there was about six or seven UK um uh, tourists who had been infected on this flight and they had basically gone into uh, Hanoi and infected a whole pile of people so by the while I was flying out so it's a very long flight to Vietnam there was, there was a seven hour seven and a half hour flight to Dubai and then a seven and a half hour flight to Vietnam so there was like this big long time about 14 hours where I was traveling and while that was happening Vietnam was starting to close down everything and there was a very much like a sentiment that there shouldn't be any tourists going into Vietnam. Vietnam is considering suspending the issue of visas to travelers to try to curb the spread of the coronavirus. The restriction would be in place for 15 to 30 days, although there's no word on when any ban will take effect. So when yeah, you know? got there, when you when you touched in, like mm -hmm. what was the atmosphere in the airport? What was the situation for you just even like coming into this yeah. country at, at such a pivotal potentially terrifying time yeah so when i was getting on the flight they gave me this sheet of paper with a qr code and that was it that was all i was on the on the page and i was like what the fuck is this thing so i got my phone and i took a picture of the qr code and it loaded up this link and it was a form that was basically what vietnam were calling a health declaration form which was basically where you're from who you are where you've been to in the last say two weeks or so how much uh, contact did you come into with the coronavirus? And uh, then they needed like this really clear, detailed uh, section of how long I was going to stay in Vietnam, where I was staying, 
what my contact was because if anybody had gotten infected they would have to contact all those people on that plane and basically track them all down put them into quarantine and that would be it right so it was this big long form this health declaration form and uh, they had obviously just made it because it was still like in movement and I was trying to look at Twitter and trying to look at the like the official embassy pages and stuff like that the information was just happening as I was flying out so it was just like changing every five minutes and nobody really knew what was like, going on I filled out the form and like I like send press send and then they were like cool okay I think that's done so you just get on the flight now and off you go um, we fly over we land and the airport is crazy it was like the whole place was kind of shut down and was like really like every single person in the airport had the masks on and everybody had gloves on and when i got to the the gate when i got it through the gate before we even got to the passport before we got to bags collection or anything there was this big long queue of people and everybody was queued up because they were going through this section where there was two people who were getting all these health declaration forms so i queue up because i have it filled out already and i had the screenshot of the mic i kind of like case number or whatever and when i get up to the front um they read out the quest the um info request number or whatever and they go okay it's not it's it's not here we actually don't have it so they had to give me a sheet and i had to fill out the whole thing again and i think the main reason was because it was all just happening so quickly that they couldn't even process the digital ones so i just had to fill out the whole thing again on a sheet of paper hand it over and then beside them then they had which is the thing that i saw so much in vietnam which are these like these kind of little blue like gun shaped things that were checking the temperature of everybody so like basically you would go through this like area with these two people you would hand over a form and then they would hold like this blue gun to your head (laughs) to check (laughs) to check your temperature and i was like oh my god this is like this is cyberpunk 2020 like it's like serious stuff um, I was gonna say yeah, it's like Blade Runner stuff. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so and and like the, the only people who were in the airport were the flights that were coming in. You would get through. Then I had to get my visa and go through the passport, and that that took a good while as well. Um, and then I finally get out, and basically the front of the airport is completely shut down. Like the, everybody who was waiting to pick everybody out up was outside of the airport, like on the other side of the roads, as if like nobody was allowed to go into the airport. So you had to walk all the way through the airport now to the other side, and that's where I met. Um, uh, Owen who was the guy who kind of was booking me and everything and he picked me up and he was like he was like oh my god it's been absolutely crazy these last 24 hours um, we got into a taxi and he, he he just goes like um, he was like did you see any English people in that in that airport and I was like eh, like I wouldn't really know but I, I don't I didn't think so I didn't see any flights going in or anything and he was like I think the Vietnam um, government just um, stopped all um, did like a travel ban for a whole pile of different countries just there um, and he was like and I think one of them is the UK and like I didn't think much of that and then he was like now you know that your drummer has a UK passport and I was like oh my god I didn't even think of that So he was like, so we're not really sure. I think we can probably get him a visa because the UK had like this kind of free travel thing with Vietnam, which is what they were blocking off, which is basically you can go to Vietnam for 16 days if you're a UK citizen. Um, uh, But they had stopped that basically. So to get in, Alex would have had to get a um, visa. So then cue the next eight hours of trying to get um, Alex a visa, basically. (laughs) Um, Jesus Christ, man! Yeah, and then so then the day after that was my that was what I spent the first morning doing, trying to figure out if I could get Alex over. 
um and basically what you needed was because there was such a there were so many people coming from the uk that everybody was trying to get the same thing at the same time so you got a company to sponsor the per- the person's visa basically and uh we managed to get the sponsor who sponsored myself and Sinead actually and they were like look we can get a visa for a uk person but it's because there's such a huge backlog right now um it's going to be like five or six days so there's there's no point in you getting a visa for alex because he's going to miss his flight and by then he won't be able to book another flight uh well yeah sorry at what point was the gig like how, how many days were we out and also the gig itself i mean this is the one that had a, a particularly interesting flyer with your face <laughs> on it right <laughs> yeah so there was a i by the time i landed there was one of the gigs were cancelled and i had one gig the day before which is kind of what i was treating as a warm-up gig and then we had the big gig which was kind of set to have about a thousand people um and the gig bef- the night before right was in this place called the Buddha Bar um, <laughs> and it was so funny because like they didn't really know who I was this Buddha Bar people all they knew was that there was a load of fucking Irish people who were mad to go see this person and like were dying to, to go see it so uh, they made a poster but didn't really know who I was or anything that I did and I think uh, we got a little bit lost in translation also um, because hang on I'm just going to pull up the poster so I can quote it correctly but basically <laughs> <laughs> it was a picture of my face and uh, um, we send a lot of pictures to each other on WhatsApp do you know that? I was going to say like it's it's a meme factory over here it, it's, a blo- it's a bloody meme factory over here uh, trying to track we, we'd never last in the uh, the fast paced admin world of Vietnam airport security that's for sure <laughs> just two seconds mate I have to go past this cute dog I have over here for a bad day <laughs> oh yeah here we go okay so it was basically a picture of my face there was a Buddha bar um uh, logo at the top and then Friday the 13th of March and then underneath the main heading on the poster says live music event and then it's with <laughs> and then it says with Dahi and then dash and then a musician from 9.30pm <laughs> to 12.30am <laughs> and that was like the whole thing um, so so that was due to come up and I guess that was uh, it was about two days away let's say yeah it was like two days away um, so I spent that first morning in Vietnam trying to get this visa for Alex and it eventually just became clear that we weren't going to be able to get Alex over and this was really upsetting for me because Alex had just started working with me a little bit more we've been doing gigs for the last year and stuff and I was really excited to kind of get him to do some more like abroad trips and stuff and really kind of celebrate and stuff so I had to make this phone call where I had to just call Alex and tell him that he couldn't come and it was just heartbreaking like and it was just so kind of because like it's this uh, just this idea of us completely out of your control and you, you can try and do anything and like it's kind of also up in the air that like you know there's just this thing where it's like oh you can't even go to the airport and chance your arm because like the last thing you want is somebody to fly out to fucking vietnam and then get turned around and you have to fly back and get stuck in the airport you know what i mean like so it was just really really difficult um so i like that was really really tough you know yeah i'm sure it was like taking a dog to the vet and being like no it's gonna be fine uh but i'm sure he also (laughs) i'm sure he took it like a champ i'm sure he was like don't worry about it man he absolutely did like yeah 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 and i mean like he was was upset and it was going to be like a holiday for us as well you know i think this was a real adventure for us like i had never been to that side of the world before and neither had alex um and it's going to be really exciting but uh yeah so that to me I thought was going to be the worst piece of news that I was going to get right so anyway I tried to forget it and, and went out that night and kind of experienced the nightlife of, of uh, uh, Ho Chi Minh which is absolutely incredible yeah how was the how was the vibe especially with everything kind of going on it was quite interesting because it was very quiet to be fair and there was very very little tourists around um, all the street stalls were all still open and everything and that was all cool but like 
every single bar that you went into had these blue guns where they checked your fever, basically. And even when I got to the Airbnb that I was staying in, I had to fill out another medical declaration form when I got to the Airbnb. I was, I was like, how the hell? Why, why do I have to do another one? And it was obviously because if somebody was coming over the border or something, they hadn't had it covered as well. Um, but yeah, so I had to fill out another one of them. And then every single time I went into, into my Airbnb, there was a security guy beside the, the door who was checking the temperatures and everything. Um, every single person was wearing a mask. It was like completely and utterly every single person was wearing a mask. And most people were wearing gloves as well. It was pretty quiet, but the bars were still open. Um, again, Vietnam had it under control, and it was because of all these precautions, to be honest, that like they had it really, really well under control, and they were able to track everybody. Um, so that was okay, and like I kind of I did the usual holiday stuff, and then I hung out with the people who brought me over, and um, we went out that night, and then I woke up the next morning, and I had gotten two missed calls from Sinead. And Sinead White was like, oh, hey, can you, can you call me when you can or whatever? So I'm up after a very, very late night and uh, I give her a call. And Sinead is like, look, it's really picking up in Ireland right now. There's like a lot of kind of like um, precautions being taken. Um, and this was before they kind of really properly shut everything down there. Um, and she was like, I'm pretty nervous about going because I'm afraid that the, the flights will get cancelled and I might get stuck in Dubai or if I get over there I won't get back and I was like this is crazy like I mean because I, I, I hadn't been keeping an eye on, on Ireland at all and she was like and, I, and I, I'm pretty sure that because she has another job working with older people she was like I'm going to have to self-isolate if I, when, if when I get back just to protect people like oh my god well i can't ask you to go over and do this gig and then go back and not have any work for two weeks <laughs> because at the time nobody realized that we would be actually doing that anyway and i was like look like i absolutely don't want you to go if you're feeling nervous or whatever and um and you're probably right this is like the right thing to do so so i hung up with her and then i sent a message to the guy who was putting on the show and i very apologetically told him that Sinead wasn't going to be making it and then uh <laughs> and then he he just all he sent back in a text was just like can i call you and I was like, oh, no, here we go now. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> he's he's, he's going to, like, eat me. Like, he's going to, like, really give out to me. He's going to, like, go, like, why the hell? Like, whatever. We, we've, like, we've brought this person over, especially, and everything. I was like, oh, my God. So We need to talk. Yeah, exactly. So then he, he calls me, and then he goes, like, look, I'm really, really glad that Sinead isn't coming because we've had a meeting with the committee who we're putting on the show, and uh, we think that the Vietnam government will be very, very annoyed if we put on a show with like a thousand capacity of foreigners who are all in the one place at the one time so we're gonna have to call off this gig and I was like oh my god like that's crazy because I was just thinking about like you know it's the same here with all the venues and everything like the thing that people don't realize is that it's not just musicians who are like really going to be badly affected by this stuff like I just keep thinking of all the promoters and like being a promoter is just such a risky business because you're basically gambling on ticket sales like you're basically kind of going I think people will go to this thing so I will put a load of money into this idea and I will see a return at the end of it and then something like this happens and like you know it's just it's really really upsetting for people who are setting up these gigs and stuff because I just can't it's I I feel kind of like weirdly responsible in certain times as well where I'm kind of like I have to do something to help out or whatever so we ended up actually doing the night that the gig was supposed to happen we ended up doing like a kind of a secret gig for 
the people who are kind of putting on the show and some of the local people and stuff and try to not advertise it but kind of keep it amongst the group and stuff and try and to try and raise money for them and everything and that was also in this Buddha bar where the live music events were happening or whatever so uh so yeah it was really really tough and then i just kind of went like okay well look we may as well make the best out of this so i spent another kind of two days in in um ho chi Minh, like having a really really good time and then i went to go and play the the gig and this bar was really funny because it was like a kind of like a sports tourist bar kind of thing that they had gotten at last minute and like <laughs> they had that poster and like when i got in it was basically just like these two pub tables up against the wall with like a setup that was kind of quite similar to like you know when you go into a, like a bar in Ireland and there's like a lad with a guitar and like he sets up his little like bar lights and stuff and turns on the MIDI button and then just like starts playing in the corner. That was basically me for these two gigs. And like, well, I mean, you did um you did get nominated for best folk artist there a while ago, so I assume <laughs> yeah, thank you I very much. This is, this is yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> this a new is no problem. It's a new branding <laughs> setup. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and and then like this bar was like pretty grim. It was like, like I set up my stuff and like just as I was about to go on like a cockroach like ran across by like gear at the bottom of the table and everything and like Ugh. I could see it going across and I was like oh my god and that is the worst thing ever because I'm wearing shorts and I have a cable running up into my in ears and I can feel this cable rub up against the back of my leg while I'm performing and that is just not the ideal vibe you want like but uh but anyway j- so the first so we we ended we ended up having to do we, we ended up doing these two gigs basically so the warm up gig and then the St Patrick's Day gig the secret St Patrick's Day gig in the same venue without announcing it um and the first day when i was setting up this guy came up to me and he was like hey man what's going on uh i'm taking pictures and promo for my friend's beer company that we just started in saigon and he was like do you mind if i like take a couple of pictures while you're playing and i was like yeah sure no problem that'll be grand and he was like oh and would you mind like and he started like really kind of chancing his arm and he was just like would you mind just like holding one of the beers and i'll take a picture of you holding one of the beers (laughs) and i I was like anything for a free beer uh, yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and i was just like oh god like this is such like you know these things but it's one of those things you just kind of do to be sound and like i held up the beer and was just like looking at him like take the fucking picture just take the picture take the picture take the picture Um, oh the photograph your facial expression is incredible (laughs) yeah 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 because then basically he was like cool thanks very much and then leaves and that was it and then then (laughs) so then i play that gig and that was actually really good fun and there was like actually a fair few irish people there and it was it was pretty nice the next day then i go to play the other gig and uh on every single table in the bar there is an advert for this beer <laughs> with a picture of my face and holding the beer like looking as if I'm like a social influencer promoting this beer or whatever and it's the same photo just take the fucking picture just take the picture and uh, so yeah so I brought one of them back actually I brought one of the leaflets back for you Dave oh good so, nice yeah. they also thank you I, I'm going to frame that they also uh, photoshopped <laughs> the logo as such as it looks like you're wearing a t-shirt of the brand as well oh I think. my is god right? I didn't even notice that oh my god yeah let me tell you man journalist detail there that i picked up on okay so you've become a local celebrity during a time of crisis and you're also wondering if you can get the fuck home obviously the main gig gets cancelled at this point is that that, is that the timeline do i have that right uh yeah so main gig is cancelled we're doing this secret gig instead and then as soon as i'm done i'm literally packing my stuff and then going back to the airport and uh this was supposed to be a two-week joint as well wasn't it and you're basically pulling it after after one so absolutely yeah um, okay, and like in terms of just like getting out, was that itself quite difficult? Or to, to be honest, that was the scariest part for me. It was um, it was really nerve wracking because so as I was playing, all the American travel bans started coming into effect. So suddenly there was a, a whole pile of Americans um, 
uh, in Vietnam who were kind of thinking with a lot of misinformation that they weren't going to get back to um, to get back to America. And then at the same time, uh, Vietnam had after getting some new cases again, and it was actually from more tourists who had come in. So at this stage, Vietnam were getting really kind of annoyed by all the tourists bringing in all the the coronavirus stuff. So they started cancelling. Are closing all the all the bars basically. So in the entire District One, which is kind of the main tourist part of uh, Vietnam, there was an order put out to shut down all of the bars, and then they started slowly cancelling every single flight in the airport. So, uh, so I finish my gig, I pack up my stuff, I get into a taxi, and I get to the airport, and it was bedlam like it was crazy you come in and the big board is there with all the flights and it's just red 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 all of the flights have been cancelled all the way down along um we get in towards emirates and uh this flight to dubai was obviously one of the last ones that they did and because dubai is this place where everybody goes to get connecting flights um there was a load of people on this flight that i was on um and it was like crazy there was people like really panically talking to the like the Emirates people, people raising their voices, loads of people kind of very, very worried about what was going to happen. And because I had changed the flight, I hadn't gotten time to check in properly. So I had to go get my flight, my seat, my seat set up or whatever. So I go in, check in my bag, uh, talk to your man. And the guy is like, um, so we've overbooked the flight and we don't have any seat for you yet. So I'm going to give you this ticket that doesn't have a seat number. It just says standby. And when the gates open, will you make sure that you come up to me first so that I can give you my, my ticket? So to me, that sounds like you have too many people. If I don't get up to you at the right time, somebody else will get my seat. <laughs> and like, I was like, oh my God, this is insane. And my gear is checked into the flight like so it's gone like all my gear like my laptop like my synthesizers everything is in this bag that's gone in and i don't have a ticket on the flight (laughs) all i have is my fiddle and like my phone and like a couple of other things can can, can we barter the fiddle can we would you i can exchange this fiddle for a plane ticket please sir i will play on the flight i will be in flight entertainment (laughs) exactly yeah like one of those shitty fucking like ryanair flights where all these lads come up and open the fucking the 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 fiddle or whatever oh Um, i was thinking more like the titanic going down but yeah if you want to put a more positive spin on it you know by all means we need positivity um, now more than ever. So. <laughs> so anyway, so I get to the gate and uh, I'm like, first up, I am like the dude who is queuing up like an hour before the flight. You know, those guys where you're just like looking at them going like, why are you queuing up? Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> um, so the social anxiety on top of all of this. Oh like, man, amazing. like absolutely crazy, like absolutely mental. So then he gives me, like I finally get a ticket and I'm like, okay, thank God. And he gives me the ticket for the flight to Dubai and then the, the, the Dubai flight to home. Um, and at this stage, like, I'm really, really consciously aware that, like, I'm coming back through these two airports. There's a huge amount of people. And, you uh, you know, at a time like this, you're trying to be really responsible. You know, you're kind of like, look, it's not ideal that I have to travel at this time. Um, but, like, as long as, you know, you're you're trying to be as careful as possible. So I'm, like, mask on. I have, like, uh, hand sanitizer pretty going pretty constantly. I yeah, can I on. ask, do you feel do you feel good about your decision to rewatch Contagion now? <laughs> do you? <laughs> I mean, maybe it helped. I don't know. I, it, it did, actually, yeah. And I actually watched World War Z on the plane as well. <laughs> you fucking maniac. <laughs> There's something about, like, get, like, having it, like... World War Z was good because it was so much more dramatic than it was. It was just like, okay, cool. Well, now, like, it, like... You you know, <laughs> resets it. Although, like, yeah. I was... I at least was, you don't have zombies. I was kind of doing a bit of a Higgs on it and getting teared up at World War Z. 
I was like Brad Pitt looking after his his family and stuff, and I was like getting really upset in the plane and stuff. It was like pretty. David cool. Higgins would never cry at World War Z, <laughs> but I'm glad that someone has fair play. Okay, so yeah, you're being responsible. You're doing the same thing. You're doing, in a, yeah, you're in a difficult trying, situation. Trying to do as much as possible. Wearing gloves, wearing mask. Um, uh, you can get some pretty snazzy masks as well in Vietnam, I should say. Um, but uh, hand sanitizer, the whole the whole works. Get on the flight, that's grand. Go through the flight, uh, get as far as Dubai. I have like a three hour layover in Dubai, so I kind of just like chill out there and trying to do as little as possible, social isolating, all that all that jazz. And then uh, the flight to Ireland goes, and it's a packed out flight. Obviously, there's a lot of people trying to get home from different parts. I I heard there was a lot of people from Australia. I, I could hear a lot of people who were coming from Dubai itself. Um, and a whole pile of different people were obviously getting to Dubai and then flying onto Ireland from different parts of the world. Packed out flight, like absolutely packed. Um, and these are these big like Boeing seven seven sevens. There's like eight nine, yeah, it's like ten seats across in a in a row, right? And so it's just like filled, filled, filled with Irish people. Um, and everybody's quite nervous and kind of again like this thing where you're kind of a bit nervous that you're on a flight with this many people and you're coming back home and all that kind of crap. Um, so anyway, we land and. Um, we land on the runway, get on the runway, everything stops up and um, uh, there's a big pause and everyone's like, What's, what the hell's going on? We're still on the runway. Also, as the president just foreshadowed in our uh, task force meeting today, the president has made a decision to suspend all travel to the United Kingdom and Ireland, effective midnight, Monday night, Eastern Standard Time. The pilot comes over the, the intercom and he goes, so uh, because America have... Uh, added their flight ban to Ireland um, there is a huge amount of American people trying to get back home even though they could get back at any time but I think just everybody was just wanted to go home and America had told the airlines to screen check every single person who was getting on the flight before they get to America so basically they would have to fill out a very similar form to the the uh, medical declaration form basically saying where they'd been for the last two weeks and what their contact details were but they had to do it before they got on the plane. So as they were going through Dublin Airport, they had to fill out this form at the desk. And it was taking absolutely ages because there were these huge planes. We got stuck on the runway because there was a Delta flight who were trying to get back to America, were filling out all these forms, but they couldn't leave until everybody had filled out this form. Um, so they said, oh, we'll be like a half hour uh, and then they'll move out of our space and then we'll go into that space in, the, in Dublin Airport. And everyone was like, okay, cool, grand. 30 minutes, that'll be fine. 30 minutes goes to an hour. Um, an hour goes to an hour and a half, uh, two hours, uh, two and a half hours, and eventually three hours. So we were three hours waiting on this flight and like people were really, like really upset about it because it was this thing where like, you know, you'd travel so long to get back to your house um, you were so close. You were on the fucking runway. Like, you're actually there. Um, people were really panicked. There was the usual, geez, we'll go call in Joe Duffy now tomorrow about this. This will be a whole thing. There was people, <laughs> there was, and there was, there was people who were like trying to go to England and get connecting flights from Ireland to England. And like, there was just loads of like people who were kind of really stuck. They missed all their connecting flights and everything. And everybody was aware as well that you're on this plane with all these people for like three and a half hours. Um, and it was really, really tough. It was like really kind of people were quite upset by it and, and you're trying to keep everybody calm. So that was grand. But that was like really nerve wracking as well because I was just like, I'm so close. I'm so home. I just need to get out of this airport and then I'm, I'm there and I can just self-isolate, just get out of the way um, and stay out of the way. And that's that's it. That'll be grand. Um, so there was all this stuff. And then finally, um, 
uh, we get to the the Delta flight takes off and we go to where we're supposed to park up in the airport and everybody stands up and we're going through the thing and I'm just like oh my god that was absolutely crazy like what a mad trip to be doing like that was such a weird experience in my life or whatever and as I'm coming off the flight at the door <laughs> of the plane right <laughs> um, just behind me as I'm going out somebody goes hey Dai, how are you getting on how are you doing and I turn around and who is there but <laughs> Danny from the Coronas <laughs> going out tonight unbelievable <laughs> and Danny from the Coronas was behind me and I literally just burst out laughing I was like of course of course it's you who will be here at the very end of this trip saying hello to me or whatever so we like elbow bumped and like talked about the thing and they had had a gig in uh, Dubai um, I couldn't ask him I couldn't ask him about it like I couldn't ask him from from like a Corona standpoint what what, what the whole thing must have been like but uh, how was his how was his demeanour he was actually alright he was pretty happy go lucky yeah. all his gigs have been cancelled for the next two two months the same as everybody else uh, but um, I think he was just happy to be home the same as me but it was just so funny because it was just that like that classic ironic ending Danny from the Coronas oh, after this Larry long. David is fucked yeah, I know it's so yeah. yeah yeah the Larry David like like audio just starts up dum 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 bum bum holy shit man okay well that's un- like what an ending I know uh, what a I fucking know. Jesus Christ and this is like I'm talking to you like 24 hours removed from all this as well which is crazy yeah uh, how yeah. are you feeling you, I'm, I'm you good feel like, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm delighted now like yeah yeah I'm making a very conscious decision to kind of stay away from everybody um, and I'll be staying here for the next two weeks I think I'm going to try and do some kind of live streaming stuff for people um, but yeah I'm, I'm glad to be home and uh, it's it's I think it's um, it's quite important that everybody just kind of stays in and, and you know you be responsible and I've had such this long trip and there's been so many kind of like unknown chances that I might have like contracted or anything um, that I'm trying to be just be extremely careful if you know what I mean so keeping the head down yeah and like listen you could write some amazing music out of this I assume <laughs> yeah yeah well I have a little pile of recordings from Vietnam and stuff as well what I need is the sound of those like temperature guns that's what I need now you know <laughs> oh man was there like was there like a proper sci-fi fucking yeah like, like, like I'm a- imagining beep beep and, and then there was, uh, a, there yeah, was I'm, I'm imagining like lights flying up the side of them and just like a synth wave <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah they, but they, they were doing this thing as well where I think they must have been recording it for the government but because they would hold the gun up take the temperature then get a phone out and take a picture of the temperature to kind of prove that they had taken the temperature and this was the temperature of the thing so they were like being super super careful and fair play to Vietnam like they, they're doing a fantastic job of, of um, really containing it like they're doing a great job so yeah fair play to them incredible well listen man it's it's so great to have you home uh, it's great to hear you in good spirits it was a hell of a fucking journey uh, thank you for, for chatting to us about it and also uh, I should probably say happy birthday man oh, thank you very much <laughs> the weirdest 30 year old birthday that has ever occurred so yeah yeah here fucking I am fucking hell incredible um, uh, okay listen man all love and great to have you home thank Thanks you very so much. much cheers thanks man Thank you so much, Dahi, <laughs> for an amazing, amazing story. Uh, quite the thing, quite the scene. My whole experience of this so far has been very boring. You know, I've mostly just been chilling out in my gaff, uh, going for park walks and, you know, working away, really. Um, I'm really glad that I haven't been in such a 
potentially terrifying situation. Uh, but of course, it sounds like the man handled it with flying colours, and we'll wait and see what unfolds. It's really, really weird to even record a podcast now, knowing it's going out a day later. Uh, like I say, we initially were looking at this as maybe coming out on the Friday, but I was kind of like, the world's going to change so much in the space of 24, 48, 72 hours that like probably better to just get it out now and i think it is worthy of its own thing so i hope that you enjoyed listening to that strange as it was for dahi and for me to hear it and for you as well uh show will be back on friday um that's the plan at the moment myself and craig will be talking all the music news if there is anything other than of course what is currently ongoing we will also be looking at our uh, favorite kind of uh, end credits of films, music being played like over the end credits of a movie, pretty much right when it hits that wonderful, wonderful moment when it comes up on screen. Who's written and directed the movie that you just watched? And we'll be reviewing the new album from J Electronica, this almost mythical thing that has come to life. So that's no encore. Uh, tell your friends, um, get the word out. <laughs> like no better time to get into a new podcast if you've never heard it before, or if your friends are somewhat skeptical. So myself and Craig will be back on Friday. Dahi, thank you once again for chatting with me on this very special episode of No Encore. My name is Dave Hanrowdy. This has been No Encore, and there will be No Encore very, very soon once again. Thank you. Stay safe, as I said last time. Love to all. podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.